0: Welcome everyone to this episode of the Queen's Innovation Runway podcast. If you've been a past listener, you'll know this podcast series is all about chronicling the emerging success stories of entrepreneurs and innovators from Queen's University in Eastern Ontario. In this episode, we are pleased to have as our guest this week, Dr. Ursa Schaukat. Ursa is a Queen's TWICE graduate with a PhD in biochemistry and cell biology and a master's in biochemistry and cell biology. Again, both from Queen's. Ursa is the co-founder and chief development officer of a new Queen's off company called MDetect. Ursa, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Could you give us an overview of the company you're co-founding called MDetect? What's it all about?
1: Good question. So MDetect is a new venture that's spun out of Queen's University, and the research coming out of MDetect is from Dr. Christopher Mueller's lab uh, from the Cancer Research Institute at Queen's. And basically, it's a it's a liquid biopsy, and that means that it's a blood test. And the blood test is able to very accurately determine breast cancer in your body. And the purpose of MDetect is to use this blood test as a tool for doctors to determine whether the current drug regimen that a patient is on is effective or not effective. And so instead of waiting months on end for CT scans and surgical biopsies and things like that, we can use a blood test within a few weeks to rapidly determine if a patient's drug is working or not. Um, So that's really the core technology behind MDetect and and its usefulness for, for patients.
0: So if you compare that to the existing approach, which I'm not going to get this right, but it can be a bit of a trial and error for treating breast cancer where Patients are tried on drug therapy A, and then if that doesn't work, they go on to B to C to D. You're saying with a liquid biopsy or a blood test, you might be able to help figure out the fastest and best route to treat those patients?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you got it pretty accurately. So you know, currently on the market, and it's a growing market, there's a lot of newer therapies or drug chemotherapies that are coming on the market. And I think for breast cancer, there's something about 80 different therapies in the market today that can treat the different subtypes of breast cancer. Now, of course, it can get more complicated based on what subtype you are um, for breast cancer. But essentially, the idea is that a, a doctor... Our oncologists sort of say that they try their best guess for the first therapy. It's typically standard first line therapy that they would use. And if because everybody is different, all patients respond differently. If that one is not working, a patient typically has to wait about three to six months before they can see if that therapy is working or not based on a CT scan or some sort of imaging technology. And if it's not working, then they've just wasted that three to six months being on something that was not working for them and that it was also, you know, highly toxic because these drugs aren't easy on the body. And so they've, you know, been exposed to something for that long and it sort of doesn't help extend their their lives. And so if we could find something effective a lot earlier within 2 to 3 weeks uh, using a blood test, which is something that's non-invasive and sort of you know easier for patients and for doctors, then they could try therapy B or therapy C and see if a patient is responding or not.
0: My general understanding is cancer is a fairly broad word, is that when you look at different cancers, it could be a couple of hundred different diseases all lumped under the word cancer, which generally I assume means inappropriate cell division or or the body not functioning normally in certain tissues, leading to overgrowth and then, you know, organ failure or other things that can happen that cause some, some challenges for cancer patients. So what is it in the blood that you're actually measuring that's going to provide an, a, an exquisite understanding of what an individual's tumor burden is to figure out which therapy might be the best?
1: the tumor in your body and so here we're looking at breast cancer tumor they you know these cells can shed uh either shed the cells or they once a a tumor cell dies it releases its contents into your body and that those contents end up in the bloodstream and part of those that that content is the dna for that tumor and so we're able to when, when we collect the blood sample collect and isolate that circulating tumor dna and then we look at certain properties of that circulating tumor DNA and we can quantify it and give you essentially the tumor burden as you mentioned so essentially saying how much tumor is in your body and whether it's growing or shrinking so if we see more if we quantify more DNA then that therapy that you are on is probably not working if we're seeing smaller amounts of tumor DNA then then we can say that yes you know this therapy is effective in a patient.
0: What type of analytical techniques are actually used? So you take a sample, what type of analysis is actually happening?
1: We're quantifying epigenetic changes on this tumor DNA and to look at these changes, we're using next-gen sequencing. And so we're able to sequence the fragments of circulating tumor DNA um, in the the patient's blood. And then we can quantify that next-gen sequencing data and to really give a tumor profile for each individual patient. So the, this is a technology that's up and coming and growing, and a lot of hospitals nowadays have next-gen sequencing facilities, so it's something that could be implemented pretty seamlessly once it's commercialized and, and marketed.
0: And You're going to be hopefully capitalizing on the trend of personalized medicine, where if you look at a typical drug, well, you treat 10, and you might have activity in four or five of them, if you could figure out the biology behind the disease, you might be able to treat just the right number of patients, right? Sometimes drugs are a bit of a, a broad approach because the studies look at a variety of patients and sometimes drugs don't work in all patients. So it seems to me that it would be encouraging for the healthcare system and patients alike to have something that would be more precise, and that's what you're going for, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, definitely, you know, can cater to patients for effective therapies, as well as, um, you know, if we can identify effective therapies for the healthcare system, then they're not spending however crazy amounts of money um, for certain therapies for patients that are on it long term that are that's not really working for them.
0: End attack is incorporated. I know that you've licensed technology from Queens University. What are your near-term priorities for building value in the company?
1: So currently we are hoping to gain some uh, funding that is, uh, we're applying to some government grants that would allow us to do some clinical trials uh, because what we really need to do is validate and detect as a clinically useful tool and, and demonstrate that it, it does have superior superiority to uh, other tools that are being used in, in healthcare right now such as you know the tissue biopsies or ct scans or other imaging methods um, and to really show that it can determine response in advance of this 3 to 6 month time point so we're hoping to gain some funding to be able to do these carry out these clinical trials uh, in canada
0: and in terms of your role i understand it's your the main person on the ground, you're co-founding this with your professor and other collaborators. So what is what is your role sort of day-to-day in furthering that mission? Sounds like fundraising, but there's also designing what your pathway to the market will be, making sure you do those right kind of clinical studies, which always involve things like power calculations to figure out how many patients you need. And then beyond that, are you, I know you've talked about breast cancer as your lead indication, but is the platform going to be amenable to doing a similar thing in other cancers down the road. And so give us a snapshot of what what your sort of day-to-day priorities are as, as I understand it, the main person on the ground at the moment for the team.
1: Yeah, so I'm currently, I guess, the first employee for IMDETECT and my sort of day-to-day consists of just uh, understanding the market for liquid biopsy and reaching out to potential doctors, for example, or oncologists and regulatory people that can help in the process of commercializing MDETECT because there are several aspects that we would need to consider for MDETECT to be a uh, a tool that we can use clinically. So of course, you know, we have to um, get the word out there, ask ad- ask the doctors, oncologists, whether this will be something that they will use. And so this requires a lot of market research and a lot of understanding of the liquid biopsy field. Also, we'll need to show um, healthcare uh, providers that no, this is something that will be cost effective for them. And that needs should be implemented in the healthcare system. And then on the other side, we need to get MDetect validated. So as I mentioned, we need to do the clinical trial. And so we're, you know, sort of getting the funding and writing the grants and that work is also being done. And then lastly, um, we're also working to get sort of the uh, intellectual property of uh, M Detect rooted, so that you know we do have all exclusive rights to using our technology and protecting that. So there's a lot of day to day different aspects that I that I focus on. To answer the second part of your question, um, so the research, the core technology of for M Detect is amenable to other types of cancers, and we do have the blood tests available for uh, lung cancer, for ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, and a few additional ones, prostate cancer as well. And and once we sort of establish one of them and, and breast cancer, since you it know, affects so many of us, all sort of know somebody who has been affected by breast cancer. Um, we're starting, you know. Once we get breast cancer rooted, then we can move on to expanding this platform to to the other but uh, to the other cancer tests as well.
0: Excellent. So when you're reaching out to these doctors, sometimes we people call that reaching out to key opinion leaders. For others thinking about starting biotech companies, are you sort of pitching the scenario to say we believe this is how this would be most useful to practice and getting feedback to say, yeah, I see that every day. If I had a solution like yours, I'd be using it. You know, for A, B, C, D scenario, or did it, does it give you a chance to tweak it and say, "Oh, well, we we generally want to help support the treatment of breast cancer," but our original thoughts evolved a little bit based on how clinical practice might work.
1: Uh, it's a little bit of both. I think there's always tweaking as you get to your final product that can be commercialized. But for the most part, the responses that we've gotten from Canadian oncologists, at least, is that this would be such a useful tool. Uh, liquid biopsies are not quite readily available in Canada not not in clinical practice as a routine tool right now and so i feel that i you know i sympathize with with the oncologists at least from their responses that you know this would be something that would be useful for them in helping their patients
0: right and so jumping back to the technology for a second so the scenario you're looking at is breast cancer so somebody's been diagnosed and they're in in the clinic but if we look at future indications Breast cancers, typically, people do go for an annual mammogram, for example, where they might see a lump. But at that stage, the cancer has already taken hold, if I could describe it that way. Would your technology be able to detect things even earlier than a perceived lump? Because presumably that cancer was, at one time, probably microscopic and not palpable as a lump. Is that going to be an advantage of your technology down the road, to, see, to detect things before there's actually something palpable on a patient?
1: Uh, it's definitely can have useful applications for that um, purpose. It's not something we're focusing on. Uh, it really depends on the cancer, the specific cancer that you have, whether early detection will help uh, sort of extend your life. Sometimes it, you know, the the time to mortality doesn't really matter whether you find it early or you find it um, at that time. But for certain cancers, definitely. So, you know, pancreatic cancer, for example, you know, early detection would definitely be something that would help save a person's life if, if it could be caught in a stage where it's no longer, it's not as aggressive.
0: What drew you to taking the plunge and become, becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, definitely, uh, when you're getting your PhD, especially in you know science field like I did biochemistry, there's so many avenues that you could explore um, once you're done. And I was always a little bit pulled towards the entrepreneurial journey, uh, entrepreneurial side. I mean, I was taking part in some of the science to business uh, events that uh, Queen's puts on. And and that's really what gained my interest in in entrepreneurship. And so when this opportunity arose to be able to help uh, Dr. Chris Mueller co-found this company, you know, it was something I really wanted to to take that risk and get, get uh, going with that. And so far, it's been great. It's Really a big learning learning curve for me because as a scientist, I wasn't really trained in the basics of entrepreneurship and business. And so it's been a lot of work, but I've also really enjoyed enjoyed learning uh, as I get to go through this journey.
0: Just in the things we've talked about, so you're supporting intellectual property, market research, clinical trial design and planning, and then all of that couched in a company that needs to raise funds, which, in itself is putting your business pitch together to convince, try and convince investors to join you on on the journey. Touching on that aspect for a, ben, a minute, what, what is going to be your business model? Who in the healthcare system will likely pay for your service?
1: Uh, great question, Jim. So we're still in the earlier stages where we're trying to develop uh, a concrete business model. And there's several avenues that we can explore. So one would be uh, where we create the test and we offer it straight to the hospitals and we send them all the information they need and they can just collect the samples from the patients and analyze and do everything in house, meaning within the hospital themselves. Um, we could have it as a test where blood samples are collected from the hospital and sent to our laboratory and we do the analysis um, and sort of the, the work behind it and send the results back to the doctor. Um, so there's you know different avenues to explore. And, and I think right now, really depend on where some of the the funding will come from that will help really solidify the business models. Um, And so we're exploring all these options right now.
0: I know you participated in some entrepreneurial support programs. Can you give us an idea of which ones you've participated in and the type of support they provided? So maybe so other grad students thinking of entrepreneurship can get an idea of what supports are out there for somebody that's got deep scientific domain expertise like yourself, but then trying to move over into applying that framework into the entrepreneurial area?
1: Yeah, so there are a couple that I've been a part of uh, in the last sort of six months or so. The first one, and, and I highly recommend this to students because students are allowed to participate was Tandem Launch. Uh, Tandem Launch teamed up with Queens and they provide uh, sort of uh, a lot of training in the basics, for example, in finance and marketing and just sort of provide guidance in how business is formed and how it grows from having a very basic product to a finalized product that can be commercialized. And so that was a program that they put out and and Queens was able to sort of let students sign up for that. and, And I participated in that and it was very useful, especially for someone that had very little sort of basic knowledge in you know especially things like finance and accounting and so that was very useful um, another program I participated in and perhaps this is something that uh, once you're done grad school or you know you're done and this is something if you want to learn entrepreneurship or if you have an idea for a company that you want to start uh, so this was the wings program out of uh, the Seaway incubator at Queens and they really teach you a lot about marketing and and how it is to conduct interviews and reach out uh, to key opinion leaders. Uh, So that was also very useful in in making sure that we were asking the right questions and based on our results, you know, how we can tailor the responses and and come up with a product that is likely going to be marketable. I also am part part of other incubator programs. And again, I think if you have an idea that you want to see grow or if you have already a product that you want to commercialize, then, you know, these programs would really benefit uh, you would benefit from them. So this is Launch Lab in Kingston that we're part of that can help uh, extend your network so they can help introduce you to the right people within the community or even outside within Canada, sort of place you with somebody that can provide mentorship in the area that you're interested in. And so that's been also really useful to get that, expand our network in that sense.
0: That's awesome. And I think your co-founder and the professor involved with the company He's even participated in one of these innovation programs. Could you say a little bit about that program that he participated in?
1: Yeah, so Dr. Mueller recently com- completed the Invention to Innovation program offered through the Simon Fraser University uh, B. D. School of Business. And so this was a six month, uh, very intensive program for scientists and entrepreneurs. So especially if you are in STEM, uh, this would be something that would be useful. And I think students are able to participate in this as well. Um, you don't have to have completed school. And so at the end of this program, uh, you've sort of covered a lot of the basics on, again, marketing and finance and how to create a business model and how to estimate, you know, the cost of uh, everything that you would require. And so I think this was really useful for uh, Dr. Mueller uh, to participate in. And at the end of it, I think you have the chance to also pitch uh, to, you know, potential people of interest. And, and and I think that also sort of lets you put together... Um, sort of a pitch deck basically of uh, your, your uh, business idea and you know, how you want to see it grow and, and what it would, uh, how it would impact uh, the community.
0: So all these programs help you and, and Dr. Mueller learn about the entrepreneurial things because you know about the science side of things. So you've got to use that knowledge to kind of be the Google translate between the science and then how that turns into a business. And it sounds like you're getting lots of opportunity to revi- refine the story. Because sometimes storytelling is a key component of your startup, right? So I'm assuming you might be spending a fair bit of time making sure you understand how to translate the detailed science, which has been peer reviewed and published, into a pitch that venture capitalists and partners will resonate with and show that you're thinking about how to translate that scientific discovery into a business lens that's going to create a compelling proposition in the marketplace. Is that? Is that fair to say you spend some time doing that?
1: Exactly. I mean, one thing that I've been learning is that you know, obviously, as a scientist, the background knowledge that I have, you know, the business investors don't have that quite that extensive scientific background knowledge, and so we really have to explain it in a way that uh, shows them the the impact that this would have, and I think that's the more important focus for them is you know, um, sort of the the impact that it would have on our community, on uh, in you know, and And the potential for growth, of course, that this is what they're looking at. Um, So uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, because as scientists, we always say, you know, this is the best thing since sliced bread. But, you know, to really relay that information to a general audience requires uh, a lot of training and to be able to effectively communicate, really, I think the impact that your science would have.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good good lesson for any other grad students thinking about Entrepreneurship is just remember you want to translate your deep scientific domain expertise into, I guess, a business language or into the world of commerce so that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, businesses are all about profits profits and loss. In the biotech sector, there's very long product development cycles in a highly regulated environment, lots of regulatory information you need to file. So that's good advice. Will MDTEC go for something like FDA approval? What is the regulatory pathway for your product, or do you know yet?
1: Uh, I think that would, of course, also depend on which business model we pick. So if we decided to have a centralized lab where testing would be done in our facility, then we would need to be approved um, for the right um, sort of validate, analytical and clinical validation for our lab. And so make sure that the, you know, the experiments that are being done to the right standards that, you know, the health regulatory uh, in the U.S. adheres to. And so uh, we are considering, uh, you know, getting FDA approval and and there's a lot of validation that needs to be done to, to, in order for that to happen. And so part of that would the clinical trial that I mentioned earlier, that would help in in that sense uh, to show the FDA that this is something that's clinically useful.
0: And so looking ahead three to five years, I mean, I mean, what's your hope for MDTech and what it would look like and what type of impact you hope to have through creating and growing the company and building these products?
1: Yeah, well, you know, in three to five years, we hope that this is something that can be on the market. It's, you know, not like a drug. Uh, You know, I think it's, we now know that, you know, drugs can take over 10 years to be on the market. You know, this is something that we can show pretty quickly within, you know, one to two years that it's working. And so hopefully, you know, the three to five year mark this is something where MDetect is on the market and commercially available to patients and hoping to expand, again, not just breast cancer, but to the other cancers around that point if, you know, this is something that we've shown is clinically useful and can help extend the lives of patients. Um, And, you know, this is a growing field. Uh, This really sort of the future of precision medicine and cancer care um, in the world. You know, liquid biopsies are growing and there's different purposes for them, uh, whether it's early detection, whether it's you know using them for guiding therapy decisions or whether it's to look for relapse and so you know it's a very growing field and has different applications Um, and so we hope that you know within this time frame we can see it being implemented in both of course in Canada and, and also in other parts of the world.
0: That's a compelling vision. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. We're sort of at the end of our time here. I wish you, Dr. Mueller and your other collaborators and founders, uh, all, all the success in the world. Hopefully you'll be able to grow this business in, in, in Eastern Ontario. And we'd love to take the chance to check in with you down the road to check in on your progress, but really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Thanks, Ursa.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'm happy to share a bit more about what MDTEC does so that everyone uh, uh, you know, knows the type of research coming out of Queen's University as well. Um, so thanks, Jim.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Queen's Innovation Runway. If you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe or drop us a comment. If you want to learn more about supporting research and innovation at Queen's in Eastern Ontario, please see our show notes for the list of organizations at Queen's that help startups.